When you need to refuel between meetings or running errands, or you just want a healthy snack that squashes your hunger, wonderful pistachios, which come in a variety of flavors and sizes, by the way, are the perfect choice to fill you up and keep you going throughout the day. Wonderful Pistachios is also a good source of protein and a zero-guilt snack. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, guys, which gives you over 10% of your daily value. And with flavors like salt and pepper, sweet chili, and seasoned salt in the shelled variety, options like chili roasted, sea salt, and vinegar or jalapeno lime in the no-shell variety, you're sure to please your taste buds while snacking healthy. So check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Okay, team, I have a special surprise for you. We have a guest trainer, a world-renowned yogi by the name of Dashima, who's coming on to the Jillian Michaels Fitness app the entire month of September for a 30-day yoga challenge. And she is going to be taking us all through yoga-specific workouts and meditations to get us in fantastic shape. So go and check it out at JillianMichaels.com. And if you're not an app member, try it free for seven days. If you don't love it, cancel anytime. And don't forget, you still get all of my amazing workouts and all of our meal plans created by top registered dietitians. Hello, Cindy. Oh, hello. <laughs> how, may, how may I assist you today? What do you think we should talk about for a segment one? You know, it just seems that this uh, yeah. somebody talked about gyms reopening oh. and set off a firestorm. Oh my God, dude. I am convinced that it's got to be something with, like, strong women that every, no matter what I say, somebody will, like, manipulate it and twist it and turn it into, like, some massive, like, she's such a self-serving bitch. So what happened was I did Fox Business, right? And the questions were, like, what part of your businesses have done well? What part of your businesses have taken a hit? And I was like, well... I even said, like, we've invested in boutique fitness facilities. My business partner is, is a huge investor in Barry's Boot Camp. Um, but everybody knows that we spread chips around the board. And I was like, look, various investments we've made, be it boutique fitness or organic coffee that requires foot traffic in stores, have taken hits. But the, the app at home fitness has done really well. And you're seeing, she's like, what's doing well in fitness? I was like, Mirror, Tonal, Peloton anything of that nature is doing well. How's your app doing? I was like, my app's doing well. I was like, obviously unintentionally, but it's, it's doing well. So, you know, we, we continue to talk about, you know, our businesses that were in the gym, like Body Shred. And then the question is, you know, New York gyms are opening, I guess at 25% capacity. Right, She's, yeah. Do you think it's safe? Well, first of all, I'm not a doctor, which I made very clear, I'm not a doctor. I was like, look, I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Shocking. 
And I should have left it at that, <laughs> right? But I thought to myself, what do I think now, having had COVID? And here's what I think. I think it's extremely easy to catch. Yeah. And I also think this is the lesson because, you know, we talked about gyms opening and what should you do and yeah, this and that, right? We did. We did previously. Well, after having been to a gym during the era of COVID and having had COVID personally, and I can only say this on our podcast because God forbid I say anything of this nature publicly, like I did not have a hard time with COVID. We all know this. I was very, I'll say fortunate, but at the same time, I, I'm a, I have lived my life to not die during COVID. This is what I do, for God's sake. I, I supplement like crazy. I, I work out. I eat well. I, I sleep. I manage my stress. I mean, this is my job. My job is health. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I can't survive COVID, it's just my time to die, which I've, I've said very consistently. So, no, I personally was not afraid of getting COVID. I was afraid of giving it to my mom. Mm -hmm. Yes. I was afraid of, of giving it to anybody else that could potentially be harmed could be one of the 180,000 Americans that we've lost to this disease. I don't need to make it 180,001 humans because of me. I, I don't want that, obviously. So now I get this question. And this is where, you know, I, and I did my absolute best. I'm not a doctor. And I was like, look, I caught this. Very clear that I did not catch it at a gym. I was like, my fault. Caught it from a very close friend. Let my guard down caught COVID. I don't think personally, because obviously it's now a personal opinion, because I'm not a doctor, which I've now made clear, that if you are afraid to get COVID, which I also stated, if you are concerned with getting COVID, aka, if you know you're high risk, which I can't say, because then it's like Jillian Michaels discriminates, right? So I can't say that. I can't say if you're high risk, because now I'm discriminating against mm. people. Hence the reason I was like, look, if you are concerned about getting it, a public gym is not going to be the safest place, right? Can you imagine if I was like, I think it's fine. Can you imagine it would be Jillian Michaels throws caution to the wind yeah. and it um, incentivizes or, or, or suggests that we risk our lives in pursuit of a six pack. Can you imagine that headline? Yeah. Well, they, can you imagine it? They're looking for a headline either way. Right. Which is where so, you, know, you can't win. But yeah. it's like, I think to myself, okay. Here's the lesson I feel I can impart to people. Hey, it's very easy to catch. It just is. Now, I have seen people at the gym, and while the gym might be a, like incredibly responsible, you know what I'm saying? Like, I belong to Bay Club. My experience of Bay Club is that they did a great job. It's like every other piece of equipment was shut down. They had people, you know, a system in place, and they wipe it down. However... You look around that gym and everyone's pulling the mask down to breathe. Yeah. Everyone, because no one can breathe. Yeah. So it's not even so much that it's like, okay, they're huffing and puffing and maybe you've stayed six feet apart. My point is you're touching your face constantly. Yeah. Constantly touching your face. So, because they're like, oh, I can't breathe. Oh, I can't breathe. Which I pulled that thing down around my nose and I was like, oh my God, I need air. Like it's very hard to breathe because you're taking in all this carbon dioxide, which you're not supposed to do unless you're a Marine training in a hypoxia mask, which makes it hard to breathe. Mm. Like at first I thought, oh, we're all going to be super athletes training like this. Then I trained and I was like, oh my God, like 
ugh, I feel nauseous and I feel like shit and I'm fit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm fit. So, and I would look around the gym and see everybody like just pulling the mask down, like not being able to handle it. So you touch something, you touch your face. You touch something, you touch your face. You touch something, you touch your face. And by the way, that's Bay Club. With all the resource in the world to have all the staff in the world to separate and disinfect and this and that and this and that. On top of which, I also know, right? I've seen so many people who are terrified of this disease that knowing like that we got it, my family got it, right? My whole beach, not one of my neighbors, it's like Peyton Place here, right? (laughs) Not one of these animals has a mask on when they walk on the beach, not one. Mm -hmm. Every single one has had a party every weekend this summer, every single one with 10 people, 20 people coming, going, coming, going all summer long. Now we get COVID. I tell my neighbors like, yo, got to stay away from me. Got a mask on, right? Got COVID. Don't come near me. Holy ball. It makes wildfire. Everyone's terrified of us. Everyone's scared because we're 10 days past, right? But they see us on the beach and they're afraid and it's a whole drama. And I'm thinking to myself, you don't take any precautions. They're still not wearing masks. None. I was like, you guys take no precautions and you're terrified right, of COVID. I go to the stables, because again, right, it's, so here's the, here's the, the rules. The rules are, if you're exposed to COVID, you've got to wait 14 days of quarantine to see if you actually contract it. That's 14 days. If you catch COVID, it's 10 days past your first symptom or your positive test, Hmm. right, that they now perceive that at 10 days, also, with no symptoms for three, no fever for 24 hours, which makes no sense because no fever for 24 hours would inherently include no symptoms for three, but nevertheless, you are no longer contagious with COVID. So we do our 10 days and I go to the stables, for example. I'm like, I'm, I'm 14 days past COVID at this point, right? And there's people there, none of whom are wearing masks, that are all terrified of COVID, wondering, asking my horse trainer, like, is she allowed to be here? Did she test negative? I don't th- understand the not. But they're not wearing masks. It's so easy to wear a mask and just... Put it on and uh, don't risk it. I'm not even going to be political it. about it. I got to be honest. Do I think it's a sign of respect? Yes. I do think it's a sign of respect um, for other people, right? Yeah. I think it's oh, a absolutely. sign of respect. Absolutely. However, however, if you personally, like, like, let's separate that piece of this, this equation. If you personally don't care if you get COVID and you don't wear a mask, that part is on you. The concern is you infect other people. But let's separate the two, right? What I'm saying is I see so many people who don't wear a mask everywhere even though it's mandated in california but they're actually upon hearing that you (laughs) had it they're actually terrified yeah which leads me to believe i'm like okay so you're actually terrified but you must think that if i show no symptoms i'm not sick like i think people are having a hard time still don't want to be near you understanding though that they're like well i can have my friends over there my friends i can have 10 people over i don't need to wear a mask they don't look sick but it's when you don't, first of all, everybody has the period of not looking sick. It could be two days, it could be 14 days, but everybody who catches this thing has an asymptomatic window, and that is when you are the most contagious to COVID. I obviously know this because of Dr. Lee and all of my other doctors I've talked to about it after having it. So now I'm thinking about the gym and I'm thinking, are these people feeling more comfortable because they're like, well, everyone's at the gym, so you must be feeling good. Do you realize the day that Chloe called us and told us she had COVID, Deshanna had just gone for a five-mile run in the canyons hmm. and had no idea? No idea. Yeah. None. And the next day, guess what? COVID. Yeah. Yeah. None. I did not have it for six days. 
And for those six days, I was like, I don't know, I feel fine. I was on three-hour paddle boards. I was on hour-long bike rides on the PCH. I was jumping rope for 30 minutes in my bedroom. Nothing. Zip, nada. Fully contagious the entire time. On top yeah. of all the negative tests. Right, so imagine I, you've yes. gone to the gym. Ig, and I would have. Yeah, of course. And I would yeah. have. And that's my point. I absolutely would have been at the gym 100% positive with COVID. 100%. Without and I would have been yeah. pulling my mask down because I can't breathe. I know because I did it a million times. Watched everybody else pull their mask down because they can't breathe. And while you might be taking space, and that's fantastic, and you you know you might be wiping shit down, and that's fantastic. It doesn't take much. Well, let me ask you this: like, for me, uh, we've been paying our housekeeper since the beginning and asking her not to come, and she's like, "I'm yeah. ready. I'm ready to come back. I'm ready to come back." Oh, and and we every time we get closer to it, I think, "Wait a minute, she lives with her sons, still live with her. Yeah, uh, they're, they're young, in the, right? they're in their twenties. They yep. go out. She's cleaning other houses, and I every know. time I feel totally fine about it." All I can think of is, you know, Lori got food poisoning last week, and as soon as she saw a fever, she thought, oh, holy shit, I just infected my father. So you, you go the whole yep. gamut in your head and say, uh, That's right. can't, and just even, can't do by that. by the way, if, even if you're like, I'm not afraid of COVID, then you got it, then you got the, do you want to see, it? it's like the mom, the dad, the significant, yep, exactly. I mean, that's where, you know, my friends who are not particularly concerned personally, they see their parents regularly. Well, that's why every time I think I've got it down, how I'm going to fly back to New York, I, I, know. I think I, uh, I I'll know. just Zoom them instead because I can't risk it, that. I it's can't. the parents I know. It is. Look, as stated, not a doctor, not a researcher. You're asking me as a person, because you know I'm none of those things, I'm going to tell you, do I recommend it? No, I don't yeah. recommend it. Do I think it's risky? Of course it's potentially risky. And I mean, I just think to myself, like, God, can you imagine what the other headline would have been if I was like, I'm, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely right. Sure. Don't worry. No, don't worry about it. Ah, Jillian. I mean, Still I, making headlines. Always, dude. <laughs> always. Healthy eating doesn't have to mean tasteless food. Introducing Factor, the meal delivery service that's redefining how healthy meals should taste. Every recipe is handcrafted by world-class chefs and optimized by dietitians to ensure that every bite is as delicious as it is nutritious. The menu changes every week, so there are always new options, new recipes to pick from, from spicy Cajun to Italian. And it's all about variety, people. This way you don't get bored. I had the lentils and rice dish, and it was so good. I mean, it was like being at one of my favorite restaurants. Plus Factor has over 7,000 reviews with an average rating of 4.5 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot. And right now, Factor is offering my listeners $60 off over your first two weeks. Just go to Factor75.com, pick your meals, and use the code Jillian at checkout to claim this limited time offer. That's Factor75.com, promo code Jillian. Factor75.com, promo code Jillian. All right, team. You know I love Skims underwear because I've mentioned them 
and have been wearing them for, gosh, a little over a year now. So I finally had to try their bras and Skims has delivered yet again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. Even the underwire bras I wear all day are so comfortable, I barely even notice I'm wearing them. Whether it's the weightless scoop bra, the fits everybody bra, the plunge bra, the fits everybody t-shirt bra. I always get them in sand, so you never notice them. Super comfortable. Love them. Wear them nonstop all the time. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com now. Available in 62 sizes, 38 of 46H, plus get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know I sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select my show in the drop-down menu that follows. All right, we're talking fitness. Jeez, I swear to you, I cannot wait for the day when we never have to talk about COVID again. <laughs> Cindy, um, so there's a guy that I uh, that I like to watch his YouTube videos. This guy, um, Athlean X. Of course, I don't even know his name. That's the problem with social media is that when people have handles, you don't know their name. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, Martini Cindy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Some of them on like Instagram, you don't even know the sound of their voice. I remember That's this true. girl, Kaisa Karen, and I was like, honey, talk. Like, <laughs> I, you're, you're a tremendous athlete, talk. And then she started doing that, but I was like, let people hear your voice and know your personality. Like, you're a hell of an impressive athlete, but to transcend that, they, they need to yeah. know who you are. Um, anyway, I digress. So, there was this article in Men's Health, which, of course, I end up reading more than Women's Health. I don't know why. <laughs> and uh, it was called Seven, Seven Classic Bodybuilding Rules You Can Apply to Your Own Training. So I was like, all right, what are they? Um, and, uh, I mean, look, we've, we've talked about this a lot. You know, the first one is compound movements. So what does a compound movement look like? It's a multi-joint lift. Um, so think of it as, for example, a squat, right? You've got the hips involved the knees are involved. It's not an isolation exercise. So they, these guys like to do compound movements first in bodybuilding. So in making the cut, I talked a little bit about this idea of you've got isolation exercises. So an example of that would be a leg extension, right? Where you sit on a machine and you artificially lock your legs into this machine, which isolates the muscles. And we don't in everyday life function that way. Hence the reason it's not considered functional training. So a lot of people mm. stopped doing it because you never really isolate your quadriceps. That doesn't really happen, right? There's, there's, you're not going to be walking up the stairs, bending over to dropping down to get something and just the quads are working. So it's not functional. It doesn't train the body in the way that the body functions over the course of its everyday life, which makes you less, um, well, you're more prone to injury, right? When you train functionally, you're less prone to injury. And that's more advantageous when it comes to fitness. But when we're talking about bodybuilding, we want muscle growth, right? Mm -hmm. So it's okay to isolate. I, I isolate sometimes. Isolation would be a bicep curl. We're isolating that bicep, right? Whereas a pull-up is working multiple muscle groups. You've got biceps back in the mix, right? Or a push-up is working multiple muscle groups and you have multiple joints working 
the elbows and the shoulders are working so you've got triceps chest and shoulders plus the core and you're also hitting those quads a little bit as well right so that's going to be a more functional way of training then if you sat down and you just isolated the chest with just let's say a bench press for example you're not going to train the core or the quads at the same time however you can lift heavier because you're doing a bench press but this concept is what these guys like to do is they think and I, and I'm going to look at the logic here so if you do compound movements in the opposite order you're only sacrificing performance on the compound lift so their argument is if you do leg extensions first right then you're not going to be able to lift as heavy with your mm -hmm. squat now I've heard the opposite of this and it can be well hold on a second let's say we blow out the quads with really heavy isolation lifts and then when you do a compound movement we can recruit other muscle groups so we can keep working the quads because we have other muscle groups assisting so we can go beyond quadricep failure right so everybody's gonna have a different theory here and by the way if you look for research you'll find research that supports both mm. here's the takeaway on this Isolation exercises are fine and compound exercises are fine. The key is don't just do isolation exercises. So isolation exercises are great as sometimes it's now been called finishers. When I did body shred, we called it blitz and polish. So you work those small muscle groups when you're done with the big muscle groups. So for example, and this is a bit of this logic, if you fry out your biceps, you're going to have a crappy back workout, right? Because those little muscles are tired. So when it comes to little muscles that assist big muscles, I don't look at it as complex uh, lifts versus isolation lifts, right? Like squats versus leg extensions. I look at it as big muscle groups first, then small muscle groups. But quads are not a small muscle group, right? So they don't apply here. So that should be rule number one. So if you're going to isolate biceps or triceps or shoulders, make sure that the triceps and shoulders come after chest because chest recruits triceps and shoulders no matter what right mm. and that biceps come after back because back recruits biceps no matter what oh. does this make sense yeah. or am i getting a little too okay no totally so now when it comes to complex versus isolation with lower body in particular it's a different story because those are all big muscle groups so my answer here is that if you're trying to build strength and or you're trying to gain size because you don't have to gain size to use isolation lifts either i do i do um leg extensions i work them into my overall training i do hamstring curls because i'm like i really want to isolate those today i really want to burn the shit out of them after i've done my lunges my deadlifts my this my that right you really you can't go wrong in fact i mix it up and go both directions so this way right i do get my days of heavy squatting but then i also get my days of heavy isolation work so I get the best of both worlds that's my personal approach now mm -hmm. to how I handle compound versus isolation so first it's big muscles versus small muscles so that means like again with legs like don't blow out calves before you you know don't isolate calves before you do RDLs like Romania deadlifts squats things of that nature right um, I personally mix up the days I do the complex movements first into the isolation movement so some days it's the heavy squats 
or the heavy deadlifts, into the hamstring curls, into the leg extensions. Some days it's the other way around because this way I can lift heavy both with mm-hmm. both exercises, right? Yeah. So I do one week one way, the next week the other way. And then the upper body is always going to be big muscle groups first. And if you're going to isolate biceps, triceps, which I do like maybe twice a month max because it's just totally unnecessary for the most part because they get a hell of a great workout with the chest and the back, Mm. you do it always after you work the big muscle groups first. Now, train to failure. Okay, so this has been a thing for years. Um, Okay. The idea is that you... The training to failure is basically when you push yourself to the point where you can't get another rep with good form. Um, and then they, you, you, they call it like, you respect your own recovery. I, oh, I would not do this more than once a month. I think it's, I've read a lot of different stuff on it. And if you're doing it all the time, it's too much stress, not enough recovery and you risk overtraining and you risk injury. I personally do not feel you need to train to failure every time. I feel that it can be counterintuitive for all the obvious reasons. I don't train, I do it like once a month, train a muscle group to failure, right? Really beat, beat it to shit, beat it to hell. But that's what periodization is. So when coaches periodize their athletes training, they, they peak them at a certain point, right? It's like, oh, we're going to work up to this crazy. Let, let's look at a Grand Prix horse, for example. So my horse trainer trains Grand Prix horses. And the other day I showed up at the stables and the horses were jumping two and a half feet, right? These horses can jump six feet. And I was like, <laughs> what's going on? I don't, I don't understand. And, um, and she's like, oh, we're just off training. Because always training for Grand Prix is too much stress mm. on the body, yeah. right? So I wouldn't do that more than once a month. I see the benefit of the extreme stress because then you get, you know, the body is like, holy shit, that was a lot. I got to recover. But personally, I would not train each muscle group to failure more than once a month. Tension trumps totals. Okay, so here's what they say. So tension, basically we call it time under tension. How long is the muscle essentially working for, right? So the argument is, is it better to lift heavier for a shorter period of time? Is it better to do isolation stuff? And I don't mean, um, I mean, I'm sorry, isometric stuff where the muscle, for example, a weighted wall sit, right? Where that muscle is under tension consistently for a minute and a half, two minutes, right? So the actual weight you're lifting isn't as important as the amount of tension you're placing on the muscle during the exercise. So don't always focus on the top end strength, Every once in a while, focus on slowing those reps down, squeezing the muscles you're training, taking the momentum out of the equation. Because there's also, okay, so I think he's actually talking about here explosive movements versus slow and controlled movements, if if I'm understanding him correctly. So plyometrics, or although he does say the actual weight you're lifting. So I'm slightly confused because this sounds like like a kettlebell swing or something of that nature. But again, I would say this. There are days you should lift heavy. There are days you should do high reps, right? Low weight, days you should do high weight, low reps. Days you should work with your own body weight, days where you should maximize time under tension and hold isometric holds, like wall sits and planks and things of that nature. Why? Because A, the body adapts to everything, and B, 
we want to train the body in the most well-rounded way possible for every single type of fitness modality. You don't want to just do one thing because again, the body becomes less efficient when it gets good at only one thing. So my answer is train all the ways, all the things. That's, that's my answer. Do drop sets. Totally agree with this. Do this all the time. Um, wrote about it years ago again in making the cut. What is a drop set? Let's say I start out with my one rep max, right? So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a lat pull down and I can do 135 pounds once. So I do 135 pounds and then I might drop it down 30%, right? And it's like, okay, I'm going to go to 90 pounds and I can do five reps of that. Then I drop it down 30% again and I'm somewhere like 66 pounds and I can do 10 more reps of that. It just allows you to get into those bigger weight ranges. So you're getting that like, whoa, your body's doing the hard work. Even though I can't do 10 reps of it, I get like one rep in and drop down, max out that, drop down, max out that, drop down. Drop sets, always love drop sets. Done them my whole fitness career. They actually say, and I've never even thought about this, but of course it makes perfect sense. Posing is beneficial. So when you get those Arnold flexes going in the mirror, which my brother and all his sort of <laughs> doofy friends do, who I happen to, I mean, they're the sweetest kids, but they always do it. Like they'll pose and turn and squeeze the chest. And say, I didn't even think, I mean, that's a great asymmetric exercise, right? It's, it's a great way to condition them. It's great. It's, it works perfect. So do it. Get in the mirror and pose. Why not? I never even thought about that, but that's great. Squeeze those quads, point those toes, get it going and supplement. I mean, if, if you want to gain mass, you have to eat like crazy. It's the exact opposite in my opinion of what's actually good for you. Um, you know, cause when you eat tons constantly all the time, it's just so much oxidative stress. You know, because when we break down food, it releases free radicals. Free radicals are a byproduct of metabolism. We don't need this much food. But when you're trying to get huge, you, you do. If that's your goal, you do. So, I mean, you got to supplement if you want to get that big. And these guys are taking things like creatine and branch chain amino acids and massive amounts of whey protein. I take, I take whey protein just as, a, just as a part of my diet, right? And I also do um, the collagen, the multi-collagen, but not because I'm trying to get big. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a crazy supplement person. So those are my lessons uh, that I that I am imparting from uh, the Men's Health article. That's my take. That's my spin on it, Holmes. Your business was going great, but now your team is buried in manual work. If this is you, you should know these three numbers: thirty-seven thousand. 25, one. 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less. Close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash Jillian. 
That's netsuite.com slash Jillian to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash Jillian. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, you know what we haven't done in a really long time? What have we not done? Emails. I'm ready for emails. Give me emails. See how much how trouble about we're going to do some that. of those. Okay. Mm. Nicole hey. asks, uh, I have a question after your microbiome segment relating to fiber. I'm okay. seeing fiber all over Instagram, especially inulin powder. People okay. are adding it to everything. Is inulin really necessary? <sighs> okay. Great question. Um, so inulin is a, is a soluble fiber. Um, we, as human beings, do best with soluble and insoluble fiber. So um, one essentially gets fermented, broken down, and one does not, right? Um, now, you can find this kind of fiber in vegetables like, um, oh my God, um, artichokes, right? Uh, beets, asparagus, onions, garlic, uh, bananas have all, they all have inulin. You, you don't need to supplement this. It's, it's not necessary. Um, if you're eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, totally unnecessary. With that said, in the past, when people are trying to lose weight, I have, I remember this is actually an old South Beach diet trick. Doesn't come from me. Um, and the suggestion was like, hey, take a scoop of fiber in a ginormous glass of water before dinner because it makes you feel more full before you eat. So it's really just helping you eat less, right? Mm. It's filling you up before dinner. So you're like, I already feel full and you don't overeat. That's the idea. Um, if you, you know, if you want to do that, you absolutely can. You just got to drink a ton of water, right? There's, there's nothing wrong with that trick at all. Um, I would say get a fiber that has soluble and insoluble, like go the, go the gamut on it. In fact, I'll even look online and see what I can find right now because I'm pretty good at determining. Okay, so here's one, for example, Garden of Life. That's a good brand and it's got both soluble 
and insoluble fiber. So if you're gonna supplement, do both. Now, the benefit, right, is that it's, it's got prebiotic fiber in it. Prebiotics means it's basically food for your, your microbiome. So we, again, we need, we need both. We need soluble and insoluble. So it helps to remove waste. It helps to feed our microbiome. So inulin alone is like, A, I don't think you need it if you're eating a nice wide variety of fruits and vegetables. B, if you want it because you're not, then, oh, and you want an agent that makes you feel more full before you eat, then by all means, go ahead and supplement. But I would do one that has both. So again, I haven't done I haven't done a ton of homework on it, but that's what I recommend is looking for a supplement, soluble and insoluble. Speaking of fiber, if you want to take it, you don't need it if you're eating tons of fruits and veggies. Yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Spinner Dog. Lauren says I always hear it's great to increase your fiber intake for weight loss, so I look to fruit because I like it. So, hmm. will too much fruit hinder my goals? It's calories in, calories out period. And yes, you're, we don't want to keep your insulin going bonker shorts, but the, you, the, the fruit is not going to do that. So if you want to manage your insulin, we eat every three to four hours, take a 12 hour fast window. You can go longer. You can go to 16 hours. If you want to get crazy, I overeat when I do that. So I get 12 hours, have some coffee with organic cream, get maybe another hour or so, and I have breakfast, lunch, snack, dinner every three-ish hours. So right? her snack is fruit, is what she's saying, right? And that's right? perfectly, perfectly fine. And if you're concerned at all, right, because it is calories in, calories out, but if you're like, well, my insulin, I need to manage my insulin, that's where you get protein, fat, and carbs in every meal. So, for example, you can have an apple with a handful of nuts or a spoonful of almond butter, right? You can have uh, yogurt with organic yogurt with blueberries and pomegranate seeds and mango. Like, I eat tons of fruit because it has all kinds of phytonutrients, antioxidants, fiber, I mean, digestive enzymes. So, I eat tons of it. And I'm, I'm perfectly healthy. If, you can, if you're concerned at all, that's the key is just blend it with a little protein and fat. So it, and I say concerned at all, meaning you have any sort of insulin-related health condition. But with weight gain and weight loss, no, dude, no, it's calories in, calories out. Price. And speaking of calories in, calories out, you would think we planned this, but we really didn't. Um, <laughs> April wants to know, does counting macros help you lose weight faster and more effectively than just counting calories? Okay. Um, uh, oh, I kicked my desk again. Sorry, Cindy. She jumps right. around just in case anybody wonders what all these odd sounds all the always are. are. The Jeez, knees I'm go sorry. up, the knees go down. The smash and shit, move. <laughs> I know, shit. So, counting macros, right? So, so to clarify, for anybody who, who isn't sure, macros are protein, fat, and carbs. Macronutrients. Micronutrients are vitamins and minerals. So, people have reinvented the diet wheel a million times over with a manipulation of macronutrient ratios. Now, as human beings and being omnivores, we need protein, fat, and carbs. I could get into all of the reasons why, but the bottom line is we need carbohydrates for glucose and glycogen. We, we need it. Gotta have it. You, you can't, you should not, it's bad to cut that stuff out, right? We need healthy fats. 
We need healthy proteins. We need these things. Uh, they all contain different micronutrients and different elements to protect our bodies and allow our bodies to do the jobs that they need to do, right? Your cells to communicate. It's just, it's a, it's a whole lesson in biochemistry that we can get a pro on to explain, but the bottom line is we need all three of these things. So the key with macros, if you choose to get crazy with it, which is totally unnecessary and a pain in the ass is if you tweaked your macronutrient ratio, it's arguable that you would have more energy and you would feel fuller for longer. So let me explain. These are the rules that apply to everybody. Number one, don't overeat, period, okay? Number two, get protein, fat, and carbs in every meal. So counting macros is manipulating the ratio of how much to how much, right? So maybe you remember the zone was 30, 30, 40, right? I believe it was 40% carbs, 30 protein, 30 fat. So different diets have played with that ratio, right? As we know. Then there was like Pritikin and Atkins. These things, Pritikin I think was like fat-free. Atkins was like no carbs. Keto was no carbs. Manipulating the wheel. You should have all three in every meal. It allows you to stabilize blood sugar and ensures you will get a nice, well-rounded amount of everything you need from each macro, okay? So you also want to make sure that the quality of your macros are top-notch. For example, your protein should be uh, hormone-free, antibiotic-free, and hopefully as unprocessed as possible. What is the worst kind of meat you could consume? Let's say something like bacon with tons of preservatives, chemicals, nitrites, nitrates. Whereas conversely, wild salmon, grass-fed, grass-finished beef with no hormones, no antibiotics, that's an example of a really healthy, clean protein versus a really bad-for-you protein, okay? Carbohydrates. Bad carbohydrates are refined grains and, or sorry, processed grains, refined sugars, white sugar, white flour, white bread, white pasta, white rice, white sugar, cookies, cakes, ice creams, sodas, juices with a bunch of added high fructose corn syrup and artificial colors, that's all crap. What's a good carb? Pomegranates, mangoes, uh, sweet potatoes, carrots, artichokes, beans, legumes, nuts, whole grains, barley, quinoa, right? Things like that, whole foods. If you can, we go organic with those things if you can afford it. If you cannot, you will adhere to consuming the clean 15 with your fruits and vegetables and avoiding the dirty dozen that have higher amounts of pesticides, fungicides, herbicides, and chemicals on them overall, okay? Then you've got fats. We're looking for monounsaturated and polyunsaturated. So it's like the the olive oils, the walnuts, the pecans, the, the, the friggin' wild-caught salmons, right? The omega-3s. Then we can get into things like saturated fat, which are not the end of the world, not as good for you. And you want to avoid all the fractionated, hydrogenated, processed fats that have been literally molecularly tweaked, hydrogenated. They're adding a hydrogen atom to the fat so it doesn't decompose on the shelf. It's also not going to decompose in your body, right? So that shit, that's not naturally occurring. We don't want to touch it. Okay. So now we know. We don't overeat. Yay right? We eat good quality macros. Yay. We get, a, we get macros in every meal. Yay. So what does counting macros mean? The only way this should ever matter is that for some of us, and I've talked about this before. I'm going to move again. Sorry, Cindy. 
we break down our food at different rates. So they've looked at identical twins that can eat the exact same amount of food in the exact same type of food and have a different insulin response. They believe that the reasoning for that is microbiome. But nevertheless, on JillianMichaels.com, you can go to JillianMichaels.com, click on blog, and put in metabolic type, okay? And it'll pull up a, a whole blog. I pulled it right out of uh, a book I wrote in 2006 um, that looks at your, quote, oxidizer type, meaning how quickly you break down foods and they're converted into glucose. And essentially this is relevant because of insulin response, right? The idea of stabilizing insulin is that we don't want the blood sugar crashing and spiking. We want stabilized blood sugar because it keeps you feeling fuller for longer, feeling satiated for longer. But when you get blood sugar spikes, insulin releases, cleans the sugar out of the blood. Now you've got a blood sugar crash. You're hungry again, right? So if you're somebody who breaks your food down more quickly and you're eating foods that break down quickly, so... I'm a fast oxidizer, right? I turn stuff into energy quick. Then I eat an apple. Well, I eat an apple by itself. It's going to literally be like putting a tissue on an inferno, right? I'm going to be starving a few minutes later. Whereas maybe instead I had a handful of nuts and a, a half of an apple, I'm going to feel fuller for longer and have more stabilized energy. Now, a person that breaks food down very slowly, but eats like a handful of nuts and a tiny bite of an apple might still feel like they're dragging because nuts inherently break down at a slower pace. That's that glycemic load index that we've talked about, right? Like how quickly does the food yeah. break down? But remember, everybody's body is still going to do it at a unique pace based on your biochemistry, your microbiome, etc. So if you wanted to get crazy with this and tweak this, this test that I had created years and years and years ago with registered dietitians and biochemists helps you look at your body and say, these foods make me feel X, Y, and Z. And by looking at that factor, you can say, oh, I think I do better on a ratio that's 60% carbohydrates, right? 20% fat, 20% protein. Or it could be, actually, I feel way better as a balanced oxidizer type at 40% fat, 30 protein, or I'm sorry, 40% carbs, 30 protein, 30 fat. So it's a slight manipulation. And it's only if you want to get crazy, it's not necessary. And for me, I don't count them. I don't have the energy. I don't have the time. I just get a little bit of each and every meal. So if you want to get nuts, take the test. It's free. It's on my, it's on my website. It's in my blog. Totally free. Take it. And it's fun to just kind of look at your own body and, and learn to listen to how your body responds to different foods. But that's the only benefit is if it does help you feel fuller for longer and you're trying to lose weight, it can give you more energy and help stabilize blood sugar by tweaking it and optimizing that ratio. All right, then. Yeah. Thank you very much. We Anytime. will see you next week. Perfect. All right, guys, we want you to subscribe to the podcast so you can stay up to date with our life-changing and life-saving information. So on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening, click that subscribe button.